Pastor James and Pastor Howard asked me if I would speak this week to you guys, and um, so here we go, right? So I, uh, I usually am, am talking to middle schoolers, high schoolers, so I, I can be sort of like, you know, in there, like in their face, right? And so if I do that and you get a little like, wow, he's like yelling at me. I'm not yelling at you. I just, I have to picture you as like a sixth grader in my brain, or I'm going to just totally freak out up here. Okay. So not yelling at you, just treating you like a sixth grader. All right. So we've been doing this, this series. Well, James has been doing this series. How amazing has James been the last couple of weeks? Like absolutely, absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I, I watch him here live and then I go back and I watch the, the streams back on the app and watch it again because, I mean, it's just really, he's been speaking into my life. He's been doing a series on the five senses. And he asked me, he's like, hey, you know, what sense do you want to do? You take whichever one you want and I'll take the rest. I was like, oh man, that's kind of a lot of pressure because it's like a month away. But uh, uh, so I was like, you just do it and then I'll just kind of fill in the gap there. And so we kind of, we settled on where I'm going to do feel, right? Like feel, right? So I was like, all right, we'll talk about feeling it. So the definition of feel is to be aware of be aware through touching or being touched. And then there's also the second definition, and that's to experience an emotion or a sensation. So the first definition, be aware through touching or being touched, we're throwing that one out. Don't care about that at all. The feel I want to talk about is the experience, the emotion, or the sensation, right? Like you get this feeling in you, right? Have you ever gotten a feeling like, oh, I got a bad feeling about this, right? We've all been there. Or, oh, I have a good feeling about this, right? I had, you know, I, I prayed when we were on the passion camp. I was like, uh, Lord, like, I know I'm like the head chaperone on this trip. Like, please give me like wisdom, please. Like, please let me not do anything that will just totally mess this up, right? That's the kind of person I am. I freak out, right? I started thinking like, man, we got kids in hotel rooms, right? We, you know, we can only put four kids in a hotel room, so we don't have that many chaperones. So we get the keys and then we, we strategically try to place kids in rooms kind of close to chaperones and put chaperones in certain rooms. And we're like, all right, you know, that's what, that's what we'll do, right? And so we, we tell them, we are like, hey, like you have got to be, in your room at 11.30. No ifs, ands, or buts, right? The service didn't really end until like 10.30. We wouldn't get back to the hotel until like 11. We had a little small group time. So 11.30 was like, you know, late for some of y'all, but it, it made sense for this trip. And so I'm, I'm laying in bed and it's like, it's like 12.30, right? I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I've been sleeping for like an hour because I, I sleep a lot. So I wake up and I have this feeling and I'm like, you need to go outside. I was like, oh crap. That's not the feeling I want right now. I want the feeling that's like, go back to bed, Jason. You're doing a great job on this trip. Rest and have beautiful sleep and wake up refreshed tomorrow to start the day again. Nope. It was like, hey, you need to get out of your bed, man. You need to go outside. And I was like, all right, fine. So I walk out, walk out of the room, and I got to get the feeling. You need to walk down the hall. I'm like, yeah, man. All right. So walking down the hall, I look back. And I see two of our little rugrats tiptoeing down the hall. And I say, and I don't say anything. I just look, I just look at them. And like they get to their door, they open the door, they look back, ah! They look back and they see me staring at them. And I was like, come on, guys. I go in their room, I have to give them the little dad lecture and, and talking about it. You know, it was all innocent. They weren't doing anything wrong or bad. But 
I got a feeling, right? And we've all experienced that feeling, right? The Holy Spirit a lot of times can give you that feeling that something's going on. It'll give you that check in your spirit. But what I'm kind of talking about is, is feeling it versus doing it, right? Too often we wait for something to feel right before we do it. We wait for that, you know, one of my favorite things that people say is, well, I'm just not at peace at starting that right now. That may be true, and you need to go with your peace. But sometimes people may be like, I'm not at peace, when really they're like, I don't feel like doing it right now. Right? And so it's, it's really, you have to kind of judge off of it. A lot of times things that you do in, in, with God and through God and God's will, you are not going to be like, I'm feeling this right now. A lot of times you're just going to put one foot in front of the other and just do it. So if you're sitting around waiting for that feeling to feel it, I mean, we've all been there when like we, when we like have, have waited for something to feel right and then we like missed our opportunity, right? If for any of you that are, that, you know, the singles, remember being, being single, right? You see that cute person, you're like, ooh, I want to go talk to them, but I don't, it doesn't feel right. The time doesn't feel right. My breath kind of bad. Um, I, I kind of stink. I don't know what's going on. This, this doesn't feel right, right? And then you see the person walk off and you're like, oh man, I missed my opportunity because you were waiting to feel it. Right? We say, when I get married, I'll start to do things. Right? When my kids graduate, I just need to put all my focus into my kids, get them graduated, and then I'll have all this free time to be able to do the things that I know I should do. Or when I'm financially stable, when my, when my budget is balanced, I'm not in debt anymore, and I have this extra money, I'll be a giver. God, if you bless me with money, I'll be the best giver that anyone has ever seen. That's easy to say when you're like 10 grand in debt, right? But then when you actually get it, it's a little different, right? Or how about God when I'm not depressed anymore, when I'm, when I'm happy, when my heart is no longer broken from the person that walked out on me or from my kids not talking to me or from me getting laid off at my job. When my heart's no longer broken, when I feel happy, that's when I'll start. But God, you have to heal me first before I can do things for your kingdom. Right? Anyone ever said that before? Exercise is the one that comes to mind, right? Exercise and eating right. You set your alarm to run in the morning, and you're, that, that beautiful sound of the alarm clock goes off, and you're like, yes, it is time to run. Maybe if you're James. But for everyone else, for everyone else, it's like, no, that's news. That is, you know, I'm just going to reset the time to a different time. I'm not getting up, right? right? And so it's, it's easy to exercise, right, when you, like, have had a lot of sleep, right, when you're, like, uh, geeked up on caffeine. Geeked up, that means when you're hyped up, when you have a lot of it in you, right? When you're geeked up on caffeine, when you, when you, uh, when you have nothing to do around the house, when it's, like, on the way to Target and you can stop by Target on the way home, when you've got some cute workout clothes that you can wear at the gym, right? When all these things line up, going to the gym is not that hard, but in reality, how often does that happen? More often than not, you've got a billion things going on. More often than not, you have so many things to do around the house. You have this little window in your schedule. You can maybe fit it in. You don't feel good. You have no clean clothes, right? You have all these things stacked. You're in a bad mood. You're right. My favorite one is I can't find my headphones. If I can't find my headphones, nope, wasn't meant to be. God does not want me to go to the gym today because I cannot find my headphones and I'm not gonna work out in silence, right? So that's my favorite one. But the, the, the thing is, is that 
to do these things that are good for you, a lot of times you have to do it when you're not feeling it. And that's what I want to try to kind of talk about today as we read through this verse. And, and so uh, as you're reading this, I want you to try to put yourselves in these people's shoes and see how would you act given the situation. So we're going to be in Matthew 25, verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. Matthew is in the New Testament. If you can't find Matthew in your Bible, we will pray for you after the service. <laughs> Should be easy to find. If you have a phone, just type in Matthew 25, 14, and it'll come up. And um, these are, right, what's called the red letters in the Bible, and that means Jesus was talking. So this was a story that Jesus was talking, and he's going to be talking about the relationship between God and us. And so I feel like this is pretty important because that's the relationship that I'm interested in. And we're all here today because this is the relationship that we're all interested in. So Matthew 25, 14. I'm going to read to verse 30, and then we're going to go back and dissect it a little bit. So in verse 14, and this is out of the English, I'm sorry, I brought a water this time. I preached on Wednesday, and I was choking for the whole entire back half of the sermon, and I was like, that's why James takes water up on stage when he preaches. So I'm learning, I'm learning. All right, Matthew 25, 14, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a trip, He called his servants and entrusted some money to them. He gave one man $10,000, another $4,000, and another $2,000. Each was given money based on his ability. Then the man went on his trip. The one who received $10,000 invested the money at once and doubled his money. The one who had $4,000 did the same and also doubled his money. But the one who received $2,000 went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who received $10,000 brought the additional $10,000. He said, sir, you gave me $10,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness. The one who received $4,000 came and said, Sir, you gave me $4,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, Good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You've proved that you could be trusted with a small amount, and I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the one who received $2,000 came and said, Sir, I knew that you are a hard person to please. You harvest where you haven't planted and gather where you haven't scattered any seeds. I was afraid, so I hid your $2,000 in the ground. Here's your money. His master responded, you evil and lazy servant. Uh, If you knew that I had harvest where I haven't planted and gathered where I haven't scattered, then you should have invested my money with the bankers. When I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. Take the $2,000 away from him. Give it to the one who has $10,000. Two and all who have, more will be given, and they will have more than enough. But everything will be taken away from those who don't have much. Throw this useless servant outside into the darkness. People will cry and be in extreme pain there. So I know that's a lot of verses. I know it's 15 verses. 
But for some of you, that's more verses you've read all month. So you're welcome. Because I've now added to your total of your monthly Bible verse reading. All right? So you can thank me for that, okay? All right? So in verse 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a trip. He called his servants and entrusted some money to them. He gave one man $10,000, another $4,000, and another $2,000. Each was given money based on his ability. Then the man went on his trips. So if you don't know, don't get this wrong. This story is not about money. Okay, if we're talking about money, what the word they actually used was talents in the Bible, and that refers to 20 years salary. Okay, so think if you're a farmer or a shepherd or a fisherman back in the day, right? 20 years, 20 years is a long time. That's a lot of salary. Think about 20 years, your salary. That's a lot of money. And that's how valuable God is talking about the gifts that he's given each and one of you. He's talking about the natural gifts that he's given each person and your ability to spread his word and your ability to further his kingdom based on the gifts that he's given you, not the gifts that you've earned, not the gifts that you went to school for, not the gifts that you've cultivated through hours and hours of practice, the gifts that he's given you. And that's what we can't lose sight of here. In verse 15, it says, each was given money based on his ability. That one kind of had me shook. Shook means it had me a little rattled, right? So that one had me a little shook because now it's like, man, what about, what's my ability? How many gifts and talents have I been given? So what's my ability? Because it clearly says here, Jesus is saying it's based on your ability. And the definition of ability is possession of the means to do something or talent, skill, or proficiency in a certain area. So how proficient are you in that area? So I started to think, man, if I'm just born with a certain capacity to do things, am I locked into that? If I'm a two-talent person, am I always a two-talent person? And am I only going to have to work with two talents? To be honest with you, you may be a two-talent person your whole life. I cannot distinguish what God has given you. But I do know that God will increase your talents once you've been proven with what you have. So if you have one talent, work that one talent and show God, I am faithful with this one talent so that you can get two talents. And when you get those two talents, this is my two talents, these are my two gifts, I can do these two things. I may not be able to, to sing in a microphone, but you know what? Like, like Mr. Larry Moore, faithful out in the parking lot, I can help park cars. Or Ms. Barbara Andrews picking up coffee after, the, after worship. God wants you to work your talents. Because we'll see that he treats everyone the same at the end of the day if you've done what you're supposed to do. But we're not there yet. I think of a guy like uh, Miles Jack, right? If you don't know who Miles Jack is, he's a linebacker for the Jaguars. And you know I'm going to bring a Jaguar reference in here somewhere. So let's just get it out of the way before we get too far in here. Right, Miles Jack is a linebacker for the Jaguars. He was, he was in college, he went to UCLA, played running back and linebacker, which is pretty rare, dominated at the collegiate level, won all kind of awards. His, the year before he comes out, he tears his ACL. It's a pretty serious injury, especially if you're a football player. Right, so this guy who had this high potential, he had so much ability, he had so much capacity for ability, 
wasn't drafted until the second round. Wasn't drafted until the second what, what, what does that come with? That comes with a second round contract. That comes with second round expectations. That comes with second round treatment in the locker room. That comes with a second round mentality of everyone around you. Now, in Miles Jack's head, he's not a second rounder. He has the ability to be a first rounder. But what does he have to do? He has to prove his ability. He has to prove with the opportunity that he's given that he's not a second round ability, he's a first round ability. So far, he's done that, which is why I'm using him as an example. And he's, he's one of my favorite players. And I hope one day he watches this. What's up, Miles? So this is like, you have to have, you have to realize that sometimes it's about the opportunity to show that you're able than what you've naturally been given, right? So if we get hung up on, on the ability we've been given, like, God, why didn't you make me like James with a golden voice and the ability to play guitar and the ability to speak and so talented? I'm just me. I can barely tie my shoes without tripping, right? If we get hung up on that, then what happens is then we will never break out of our mental capacity of being a one-talent individual. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. See, big people think big. Small people think small. That's one of the biggest differences between people who do a lot of things and people who don't. It's the way that you're thinking. It's the way that your brain is processing your opportunity and your ability. Naturally, our human feelings are going to be to compare. Man, I, I'm like this, and this person's like this. So I have these abilities, and I have these gifts, and this person has these gifts, so let's see how we kind of match up with each other. And let's see who would be more favored in this situation. Let's see who, you know, naturally, right? We like to compare things. We're all competitive in a certain way. Some people are more competitive than others, right? If you ever see me playing cornhole, right? And you think, man, Jason, this is just cornhole. Calm down. No, it is not just cornhole. This is my prize on the line. If I lose this cornhole game, the rest of the month, I'm going to think, until we play cornhole again, I'm going to have to think I lost to this person. I, you see, some people are more competitive than others. But we're all competitive, so we want to compare our talents and our gifts. We want to see where we're at with other people. But that's not what God is going to do. God is going to make you prove what you have and then prove that you can handle more. God is not going to waste a five-talent blessing on a two-talent individual. I'm going to say that again. God is not going to waste a five-talent blessing on a two-talent individual. He's not going to waste them. He's going to make you, make you show. In Galatians 1.10, it says, For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to prove with your gifts? Because if, if you're trying to impress man, then according to this, it says, you will not be a servant of God. What's funny in this parable of the talents, he's talking about a master and his servants. So in this parable, we are his servants. Servants is a good place to be when we're referring to God. Okay? And we have to remember that this was, this, this was given in like a feudalistic society, right? Democracy was kind of still a new idea. And, and th this, this relationship between master and servant wasn't all too uncommon back then. But there is some significance there because masters aren't 
obligated to give servants anything. They don't have to pay them. They don't have to treat them well in these times. So by being in this, according to Galatians, we want to be servants of Christ. We want to be servants to someone who will give gifts and talents and then give you the task of multiplying them for his kingdom. In verse 15 and 16, it says, Then the man went on his trip. The one who received $10,000 invested the money at once and doubled his money. I like how it says at once, right? Didn't waste time. You notice the five-talent man, uh, he, he asked himself, how can I increase these five talents? Not how do I feel about these five talents. Are these the five talents that I wanted? Are these the five talents that make me look good on Instagram? Are these the five talents that will make this girl take notice of me? Are these the five talents that will make my family think that this person that I married is not a loser? Right? We start to, we start to feel out our gifts. We start to see how it makes us feel. But in this parable, the man takes his five talents and he goes and he uses it right away. He invests it and he doubles it. He doesn't say, on the other hand, I was given five talents. I must be the most able to handle these. You know, God, you should have given me six talents, but I'm a six-talent individual, but I'll, I'll take five. I see what you're doing, God. Just, just give them three. Like, they're three-talent guys. If you want some help, I'll, I'll tell you which talents to give the three-talent guy because I can kind of size him up right now, and he's not going to use that one very well. Right? Didn't get big-headed. Went straight and used the gifts for God's kingdom. Our gifts are not the same. In fact, everyone's gifts are completely different. And, and it's for a reason, because there's a lot of different people out there. And God isn't interested in just saving a bunch of people that look and sound the same. He's not interested in just saving the Republicans or just saving the Democrats. That's why we're all different. That's why we all have different feelings and gifts. That's why we can all minister to different people. That's why we can get out there and we can touch places in our work and our life that other people cannot. It is on purpose that our gifts are different. If you're having trouble finding what your gift is, ask yourself, what has God blessed me with that will help me do these two things? That will help me love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind, and will help me love my neighbor as myself. Because if you can identify what you can do to do those two things, you're on the right path. And you will see your territory expand once you realize those things. It may not be on stage. It may not be that you're a great singer or a musician. Uh, you, know, you, might, you know, you might hear, well, you know, if, if I was, you know, a good piano player and if I could sing and if I could read music, I'd have no problem using my gifts for God's purpose. But in reality, if you know anything about those type of people, most of the people that have those gifts are terrified to be up here. And the ones that aren't are usually really hard to work with. Am I right, James? So... It is, it is something that you think in your mind in this comparison, if I had these things, I would do them. But God gave you your gifts and talents for a reason. You have to realize that what it takes for you to find your gifts and talents and ask, what do you have to go through to find it? Because sometimes it may require you going through a situation that is uncomfortable. It may be require you going through a trying time 
for you to find what your gifts and talents are. When you look at, when you, look at you, you could be a 10-gift person or a one-gift person, but we didn't do anything to deserve any of them. They're gifts from God. So there's nothing to brag about. There's nothing to complain about. And that's like the first step of getting to where you have to be to start moving those things. In 2 Timothy, it says, fan your gifts into flame. This is telling us that if you can identify where your gifts and talents are, you have the ability to fan them into a flame. We know how devastating fire can be. It can take down acres and acres of land by one little spark. Fire can grow exponentially. So it says in the Bible, find your gift, fan it into a flame. You may think you have this one little talent, but with God and with you pressing in and using it the right way, God will multiply your gift. God will make you seem like something that is incredible when even in your brain, sometimes you don't feel that way. Because that's the way that God operates. Because, what's, because you're gonna feel, you're gonna feel like getting jealous about what other people have around you. If you sit around and wait to feel, you're gonna feel like you need to keep up with society. If you sit around and feel, you're gonna feel the need to do things that make you perceived a certain way. Like, I wanna be perceived like I have my life together. So I'm gonna do these things, I'm gonna post these things, I'm gonna dress and act this way. That's why you can't go off feeling. You can't go off this, this, this inner sensation, this, this, this little thing inside of you that makes you feel comfortable and good and all warm inside. Go bake some cookies if you're looking to do that. You might feel a little better. But God's not gonna ask you to do things when you're feeling good all the time. In fact, it's gonna be usually the things that you're resisting the most that he wants you to do. In verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who received $10,000 brought their additional 10,000. He said, sir, you have gave me $10,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, good job. You are good and faithful servant. You've proved that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness. The one who received $4,000 came and said, sir, you gave me $4,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness. See, the master gave these guys and girls, I wasn't there, opportunity, opportunity. That's such an underrated part of the story is that they were given the opportunity to do these things. Sometimes we have an entitled attitude, like we've gone through hard times, we've gone through a lot of stuff, and that we automatically deserve to be trusted with a lot because of the things that we've went through. God, don't you know how hard my life was when I was younger? Don't you know the family I grew up in? Don't you know the situation that I had? Don't you know my first marriage, how terrible that was? Don't you know how awful it was with my parents? Sometimes we think, I've been through a lot. I deserve a lot right off the bat. But just because you've gone through something doesn't mean that you can prove that you can handle it. It's a lot different than just going through it. If you went through it complaining and whining and moaning the whole time, have you grown? Have you gotten any better? Why is God gonna give you another situation and put you in charge of more people if you're gonna respond the same way? 
So ask yourself, how are you handling these situations? And notice what he says to both individuals, the $10,000 guy and the $4,000 guy. Both responses were exactly the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. The 10,000 guy didn't get any more credit than the 4,000 guy. Because God is not looking for your ability. He's looking to see how you used his ability. So whether you're singing in a mic or parking cars, we should be looking for well done, good and faithful servant. It's not who's affected the most people. It's not who's done the most. It's who has done what they were supposed to do with their gifts. The good news is we all have opportunity to increase our gifts. So if you think, I have nothing to offer, that's not true. Maybe you just need to identify what it is that you can start doing right now. We have the ability to fan them into flames, our gifts, but God isn't going to increase us just because we ask for it. Just because we ask for it. We have to show that we can handle it. We can show what we know what to do with it. If you're a two-talent person, identify those two talents and work them into the ground until you've milked every last drop out of those two talents. That's the people that God increases. That's the people that God gives more influence to. The people that's shown that they can handle what God's given them. Feeling, the feeling part is what's easy. Acting is what's hard. Everyone has feelings. Everyone, when they feel good, can come to a church service and feel good. But then the next Sunday, when you're not feeling good, how are you acting? Because if you're going off feeling, it's going to be a tough ride. Excuse me. Acting is what requires us to put our emotions aside. Acting is what requires us to have faith. It requires us to work. It requires us to work. Are you asking for more gifts? Are you, are you asking for more work? Because if you want gifts and you want talents, and, but you don't want to work any harder, or you don't want to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, then God's going to be like, why am I wasting five-talent blessing on a two-talent person? He's not going to do that. My favorite thing to do, and this is maybe self-incriminating, and I'm sorry, but hey, I'm only up here once in a while, so whatever. When people complain or have a suggestion about youth group or the school athletics, I promise you, I listen, okay? But what I do every single time and what I love to do is to say, that is an amazing, amazing idea. You should come volunteer on Wednesday and help us implement these things. You know what that does? That weeds out real quick the people who were serious about it and the people who just want to make a comment. Now, don't get me wrong, I listen. So if you have a comment, tell me. I'll at least act like I'm listening. But I will probably say, hey, that's awesome. You should come help and volunteer. Come lead a small group. We have a group of sixth graders that would just love your wisdom. Like, ooh, no. Wednesday nights, that's trivia night. I ain't got time to go to youth group on Wednesday. So there's, there's something, like, what I want to do is I want to try to uh, get you guys to, to get involved here. Okay, a lot of you already are. 
And a lot of you have given, I mean, the small groups that feed the youth dinner, the money that was donated for Passion Camp, the prayers, the intercessors. I cannot say enough about how much that has helped us and helped us grow and reach the community. But I want to implore some of you that aren't involved to get involved and stop waiting to feel and start doing. There's something going on here almost every single night. Trust me, I'm here. Something every single night going on. And if you're not involved with something, it's not because it doesn't line up with your schedule, it's because you don't want to do it. And sometimes we have to kind of remind ourselves of that. Well, you know, I'm pretty busy. Guess what? Look around, look to your right. They're busy. Look to your left. They're busy too. We're all busy. And being busy is not an excuse. Sometimes we like being busy so that we don't have to do things. So ask yourself, are you busying yourself with the things that God has blessed you with to further his kingdom? Because that's a pretty eye-opening question to ask yourself, and it may take some time for reflection on that. If you're not a youth, great, come be a youth leader. We need a bunch of them. It's crazy over there. It's scary. So come help. Don't wait to feel like it. Because I promise you, if you wait to feel like to come hang out with some youth, you will never feel like it. Ever. Sometimes I don't, a lot of times I don't feel like it. And it's my job. So don't wait to feel it. Are you a woman? Great. They had a pool party yesterday. I'm sure it was awesome. The women's ministry. Go get involved with the women's ministry. There's so many great women there. That they do things all the time. Go get involved with them. Are you just an older youth? Great. There's a dinner and a movie after, or lunch and a movie after this. Go hang out with them. Go see how you can serve. Go see how you can get involved. If you feel like you have no support in life, which admittedly, we all can fall into that trap of feeling like I have no support around me. My family is not there for me. My friends aren't there for me. Guess what? That's what church is for. This is a support group. You are sitting in a support group. Everyone here, we're all in the same boat. We're all struggling through life. We're all trying to get more of God's blessings. We're all trying to cultivate those gifts in our lives. So if your excuse is, I have no support, you're looking in the wrong spot. Celebrate recovery. It meets on Friday nights in here. If you have mental or physical addictions, they're a great ministry to be a part of. They have a great group that meets here. If you don't, great, go bring them coffee. Go get them some cookies and some donuts. Go sit in the service and sit next to someone and give them support. Say, hey, I'm here for y'all. I've been through that. I've been affected by someone who's been through that. It's okay. You don't have to be, you don't have to worry about what people think about you. Man, is that Jason going to celebrate recovery? Yes, it is. You know why? Because God loves these people as much as he loves these people. And God loves everyone the same. And, and I may not be able to get up on stage and, and sing, but you know what? I can bring coffee to celebrate recovery. And that's what God's looking to do, for you to do. And that's how you get well done, good and faithful servant. You may not have the prettiest of talents, but that's the people that God uses the most over and over again in the Bible. God doesn't use the flashy priests in the Bible to do anything. He uses the prostitutes. He uses the tax collectors. He uses the people who murdered Christians. So don't 
try to evaluate your talents and your gifts and try to measure them up on how effective you can be because only God knows how effective that you can be. We're gonna have the band come back up here and we're gonna finish up. Verse 24, it says, then the one who received $2,000 came and said, sir, I knew I was afraid, so I hid your $2,000 in the ground. Here's your money. His master responded, you evil and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested where I hadn't planted and gathered where I haven't scattered, then you should have invested my money with the bankers. When I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. Take the $2,000 away from him. Give it to the one who has the 10000 To all who have, more will be given, and they will have more than enough. But everything will be taken away from those who don't have much. Throw this useless servant outside into the darkness. People will cry and be in extreme pain there. I really do hate to end on this depressing note. But it really does give an indication of how God feels about apathy. And sometimes we think, well, I'm not wicked and I'm not a sinner, so I'm okay. That's apathy. God is calling you to move. God is calling you to get past these feelings of waiting till you're comfortable, waiting till you're happy, waiting till the stars align, waiting till your kids are out of the house, waiting until you have more free time, waiting till you have more money. That's not what God's asking you to do. Saying, get involved. There's so much going on here at Beaches Chapel. If not Beaches Chapel, so many other avenues you can get involved in. Really, it really comes down to you. In this parable, Jesus is is telling, he is calling the servant who just wasted his one talent evil and lazy. So ask yourself, What are you doing with the opportunities that God has given you? God wants people that are willing. God wants people that are willing, not people that are talented. He wants people who are willing to get past their feelings and move into action. So we're gonna stand up, we're gonna end with some worship. We're gonna have the pastors and elders, they're gonna be on the side.